It's the divisional round in the NFL playoffs here on Saturday. We have the Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers. And one of the podcasts I'm pulling out of the archives is from their strength and conditioning coach, Chris Gizzy. I think this one is outstanding as you get into getting your team back into the weight room and working with them this offseason. Chris has a great approach to developing the whole person, and that really comes through in this episode. So enjoy this one from our archives. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. On today's podcast, we focus on training the whole person and joining me to get into the details of this topic is the Green Bay Packers Strength and Conditioning Coordinator, Chris Gizzy. Chris, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Keith, thanks so much for having me. I'm glad we made the time to do this. Absolutely. So we have something in common, and I had a chance to meet the adult Chris Gizzy. Actually, we were passing each other. I think he was going down the stairs. I was going up. And I was like, Chris, and, you know, we connected a little bit later, missed each other there in Louisville. But Chris's father, Al, was my high school football coach at Holy Name High School here in in Northeast Ohio, Parma Heights, Ohio, to be exact. And Chris, I I told him I remembered him when he was a little guy, him and his brother, Doug, just being on the sidelines, being around the game. You know, Chris had a great career here at Cleveland St. Ignatius. We've had Chuck Kyle and... Nick Cristifo on the podcast here before, and Chris also for, you know, we we can't give a visual, but I would say there's very few things that I could describe that'll be something you definitely remember and can picture because it was iconic after 9-11, the first game after that, uh, a couple weeks later, and Chris was playing linebacker at Green Bay, comes running out of the tunnel with that American flag, and I think everybody who's been around the game can remember and knows exactly that picture, and uh, 
Chris, that's something, you know, just thinking of that and, and remember seeing that as it happened and what was going on in our country at the time, I think gave everybody chills. Yeah, it was, it's an unbelievable memory for me. And I think it's this, it gets maybe more special as time goes on, especially talking to people that I played with at Air Force, went to school with, current and former servicemen and women, how it positively affected them and, and just let them know that they were always thinking about you. And I think anytime you, you wear a uniform, you represent something bigger than yourself. And what a blessing I had to be able to represent both an iconic franchise like the Packers, the NFL, uh, for that matter, and and the United States Air Force and our our, our military forces. So I'm um, I was really blessed that that situation came up. I got to give full credit to the head coach at the time, Mike Sherman. You know, he was wise beyond the moment. I think he, you know, just hey, this would be a great idea, Chris. Why don't you get out there? And I think from that point, uh, fans took over and carried me across that field, and, and I'll I'll never forget it. Well. Living in Northeast Ohio here, and you know, I know some guys who played on the teams that, that you played on at St. Ignatius. You won two state championships there in 91 and 92. But having known your dad and, and remembering you from when you were a little guy, you, know, we, you were somebody that I followed, you know, reading about you in the Cleveland Plain Dealer and, and going to, to some of the Ignatius games. You know, it was always neat to see you play the game because – you weren't necessarily that prototypical NFL linebacker type, but you were a, a kid you could see you really understood the game and you worked. And, and I think that's something you really became known for throughout your career in high school, in college, and even into the NFL was that you were just somebody who really understood the game, knew the game inside and out, obviously being a son of a coach, but also your, your work ethic is – outstanding probably you know second to none in, in those places that you've been oh thank you for saying that I, I you know that's a credit to all the men and women that I had a chance to be coached by taught in school you know again you, you have a great chance with a father who's a coach and you know I'm glad I got his blood coursing through my veins and you know he gave me a lot of drive just by uh being his son and then you know he let those lessons develop he never forced sports he did emphasize, hey, when your football helmet's on, you're playing football and you're dialed in. When it's time for school, you're dialed into that. And when it's time to be with your friends, it's time to give to your community. You've got you to gotta be where your feet are, as kind of the saying goes. I, you know, I think that's the message that you get at – that was at Holy Name. That was the message that got taught there at Ignatius. That's what the Air Force Academy teaches, you know, and excellence all you do. So I think I was fortunate that I had – contact with a lot of great places that reinforced that message and and let me know like this is this is the way to operate and i've been being rewarded for operating that way so i think it's a standard i know we all hold ourselves as coaches too and, and it's something we try to pay it forward to the next generation we we could tell a lot of al gizzy stories here but we'll, we'll leave that maybe for another time <laughs> um <laughs> your your father coached at cleveland st ignatius I believe prior to coming to Holy Name, and interestingly enough, the, you know Holy Name and and Saint Ignatius kind of went different directions as far as school enrollment. And Holy Name is much smaller right now, and in, in, you know Cleveland Saint Ignatius is a Division One school. But your dad actually has the last win over Saint Ignatius at Holy Name my junior year, so that would have been 1986, and I think that was his last year there. We had a different coach senior year. 
but you know, he was, uh, he's definitely a guy when, you know, I, I look back and, you know, as a, as a player, as someone growing up in, in the game, my father was a coach, but, you know, could relate to your dad and, and the way he motivated people. And, and I can say, like, I understand completely where you get your work ethic. I remember being, you know, when I was a junior, I, I, didn't, I, I went through that period where, okay, I grew some my sophomore year, my junior year, I didn't grow, I was like smaller, right? And, and played special teams my junior year. I got in games a little bit. But, you know, after that season, I remember sitting down with your dad and just getting completely motivated to, to do something my senior year. And, you know, a, a lot of that, I can remember your dad would take the time too. I, I, there was a couple of us, you know, we got, we got jobs after school, but we were dedicated to being part of the team and being in the weight room. And if you remember back, Chris, to the weight room, then it was in the basement of the, of, of the convent. <laughs> and it, dur- during the season, it was a locker room as well. I mean, it, I mean, really just a, a rough place to be. But, you know, I can remember there was, I think there was two of us who couldn't get to workouts after school. And your dad would actually come in in the morning just for the two of us and, and work us out. And, you know, I really appreciated that, that, you know, a, a coach would take the time and number one, understand that, hey, I, I need to, to work right now, but also like then give his own time. He didn't have to be there, you know, an hour before everybody else, but, you know, he would do it. And so I could see like just the dedication and all those things, how certainly you got a lot of that from your dad. Yeah, I tell you, I, again, fortunate beyond belief in that. A lot of those lessons you just, it's not anything he forced or he taught. It's stuff you learned being around him. And I think that's what he so well articulated in that, you know, you think about being a young man and, and someone pays you a solid like that. And, and now you've probably done similar things throughout your career. I know I probably noticed that, you know, what was I, 10 years old? Don't know what it means yet, but then it get, it happens at, uh, in my experience, at at St. Ambrose in Brunswick, Ohio. It happens at, at St. Ignatius. It happens at Air Force. And I think that's where you think about us as a, a chain, right? Football players and coaches form this chain. And we all kind of link into each other. So I think those those bonds, it's crazy. I think about how long ago that was for us, 30 years. But now we can remember those moments like they happened yesterday. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And you're right. Those were things later as I became a high school coach. I can remember distinctly doing those things and and, and thinking like, well, you know, I'm going to do this for this. And Coach Gizzy did this for us. And, uh, you know, so it does. It has an impact on you, right? And, and uh, it was the little things, you know, um, that at the time I'm sure your dad wasn't thinking about. But, it, you know, it, it impacts people and, you know, I'm sure – those kids who I've done it for, it probably had an impact on them that, again, someone would take that time. So definitely appreciative of, of your dad. And, uh, you know, I think it's neat to see where you've come. Remember, remembering you being that little guy on the sidelines and, and seeing you grow all along. And, you know, at, at St. Ignatius, I mean, it wasn't just football for you. You were a heck of a wrestler, too. Now, it, it was Ignatius and Ed's and, and for a lot of, you know, a long time. And still, St. Ed's is really something that's, or some place has been known for wrestling, but you went to Cleveland St. Ignatius and, you know, ended up placing second in the state there. So wrestling was a big part of your high school experience as well. Yeah, we obviously, there was, it was still a really good program at Ignatius. Obviously it's going to get outshadowed 
even by the state uh, clout by Eds and Walsh and, and some of the other good uh, Northeast Ohio teams. But uh, I, I just, I loved doing both at Ignatius. And I think anyone who's ever wrestled, like you don't always like wrestling practice and that grind of getting in shape. I mean, I guess you do, but it is, it's a tough sport. I, I think I was a better football player uh, because I wrestled. And, you know, just to make that, I, I really felt that that gave me an advantage, not only from the toughness and, and work standpoint, but I think being able to use your hands and feeling leverage. Uh, I've always felt that that was a strength of mine as a player. And um, I, I've, I wrestle with my four kids all the time, uh, the, the two boys and two girls. And, you know, I just I think the world of that sport, um, not only just for it, uh, as a sport in and of itself, but what it teaches you about yourself and, and, and teaches you to help you in other sports as well. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective. So I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www dot team mofo dot com slash demo and mention coaching coordinator podcast or use the coupon code cc10 to receive 10 percent off your first year when you look at that high school experience and we are kind of in a day and age where there's been more of a push for specialization that you know the the three sport athlete has kind of become rare and, and you know there's less of the two-sport athlete probably than we'd like to see, but um, I think you're, you're a prime example. I mean, you're somebody who is able to go and play the game at a high level. And, and as I said before, you know, height-wise, a lot of people would ding you because of that, you know, and not, maybe not recruit you, but you benefited from wrestling. You benefited from coaches being able to see what, what you could do there as well. Yeah, I would say so. And I, I guess playing in the NFL is always every kid who plays football dream, dream but it's not necessarily a reality. You know, I, I think a lot of kids, um, you know, they've, you want to aspire to that, but it doesn't consume your, your every thought. Obviously, you've, you're dealing with school and, and this. I, I think for me, having a, a wide range of challenges, both academic, spiritual challenges, athletic challenges, I think that's probably the, the thing to cultivate as much as anything in that a kid might just like and, and play one sport, but are you training around that sport? Or are you just competing all the time? I think we could have a healthy debate about the fact that teaching kids to train, even if it's just in one sport, um, there's benefit to that. I'd have my preference. I'd love to see, you know, play as many sports as you can. And at some schools, that's a little easier task because you have a chance to see the field and schedule wise it, it may work other schools that becomes a, a little bit different challenge but I think when it comes down to it getting the right dosage of healthy competition you know the drive and the will to win that's important it's important lessons to teach grade school and high school and allow that brush to kind of flow as the uh, athlete matures but also 
teaching kids how to train, how to prepare for something when the satisfaction of the competition or the, the game or uh, the maybe the more fun stuff is a little ways off. Like I said, you know, wrestling is as much of physically what you're doing is when you're in a grind and having to wrestle in the morning, you wrestle in the afternoon, losing and, and keeping your weight down, controlling what you're eating. There's a lot of things that you learn knowing that the match isn't for another two weeks, three weeks away, especially as you start a preseason for wrestling. So, you know, just using that as an example, I think whether it was wrestling or if I, I got into track and field, hopefully I would have learned the same thing and the benefits of preparation. Chris, in, in looking you know, back on this, was, was there ever a doubt in your mind what you were going to do with your career? Or I guess, how did this desire for you to get into coaching and especially in the, the strength and conditioning side of things, how did that come about? That's a really good question because I think when when uh, when it's over for you as a player, and that could be whether it's high school, college, or definitely in the pros. The pros, it's your job, and now you're like, well, now you got to get a you got to get a real job, and uh, you start thinking about things that you gravitate towards. And I always knew I loved the game, and I actually had a, a great opportunity under Coach DeBerry when I was serving my active duty commitment. Uh, I didn't have the eyes to fly. So the academy kept me around for, for some of my commitment, uh, and, and I served as a recruiter. Uh, I worked as a, uh, an assistant coach, uh, public relations. So they, they kept me busy, but it was a chance to kind of see what the X's and O's life was, was like. Um, I, I, can, I can say I've been a part of a team. I remember this ever since I was two years old. So even that time when I finished playing, I got involved with some just volunteering my time and coaching. I think as I got my coaching legs developed, I really liked coaching everyone on the team. And um, the strength conditioning coach really has the opportunity to do that. I think there's what, there's just three guys on staff, obviously the head coach, the special teams coach, and uh, and the strength coach. You get to coach each player. And I think it's uh, a unique challenge, not only in communication, but and, and be able to empathize and be able to build someone's confidence in the things they're doing well and then to get them to reach outside maybe what they're comfortable doing or even they think they can doing. But, you know, no different than wanting to go from benching 95 pounds to 115 to 135. We start at the 95. We want to be able to get it at certain reps, and then we add that weight or we increase those reps. Like there's a progression to do through that. And, you know, it's just not limited to weightlifting. It's getting kids to believe in themselves. And, uh, you know, I think that goes across every level. You know, confidence might be the best benefit we get from strength conditioning. Um, I, I, I feel it's as much about that mind-body connection what your body can do as it is actually physically getting stronger or faster, quicker, whatever it might be, uh, what it does for our minds and, and how our minds connect to our body. It's, it's invaluable. That idea, uh, some of the things you talked about here of just training the whole person and understanding that side of it. And especially, you know, as you mentioned, being one of the guys who actually touches the, the whole team, you work with all the guys like the head coach, like the special teams coordinator, you also then have a chance to, to really have a, a big influence on the culture of the team, right? And I think a lot of that does fall to those individuals who, and their, te- you know, their teams, their assistants who are with these guys for a great, great part of the season, off-season, um, working with them, communicating with them, uh, whether they're in the building or outside the building. For you, how do you help integrate and, and build that culture for the team? 
Well, I'd say the, the best thing about it is we communicate with it uh, about it to each other all the time. And, you know, everyone has specific demands of their job. Uh, and and I re- you really feel the X's and O's coaches, the amount that they have to teach scheme and, and, and everything that goes into the subtleties and the detail that that demands. But for I'd say this is across the board, especially here in Green Bay right now. We got coaches that are very, very uh, passionate about how important that culture piece is. And sometimes, again, it, it could be just that we got culture, we got that. Well, it's, it's how you communicate with each other. It's, you know, a set of principles that you maybe abide by and, and, and again, keeping things simple in that regard. But I, I, it starts from the top with what Matt LaFleur and, and Brian Gutenkus, the GM, that really gives us the confidence and the, uh, the ability to have an impact and, and, uh, uh, position ourselves to give a little bit to that culture. And I think it's, um, it, it, it's how we treat the players. I, I think there's a, we put the players at the center, not to mean that we're here. Like, you know, this isn't a daycare or a pamper or a, a boutique health club service. It's a football team and we're doing this together. But in the end, we want to give the player the best opportunity for them to be exceptional on that field and to work, with their fellow teammates. So, you know, when we put the player at the center of this thing, it's, you know, we're not going to squeeze it and and put water in your mouth here in green Bay. We're going to hand you the bottle because you take ownership and, and how you drink. And, you know, we want to make sure that guys feel pride and that they are a, uh, a master of their own domain. They're a a leader uh, in their own personal endeavor to be a professional football player. Um, giving guys the chance to cons- uh, consult others and then bring that together so they get the best programming and the best workout for themselves. Like we encourage guys to find uh, other avenues so they can get better and, and, and find those weak links in their games as well as make those things stronger for themselves. So, you know, I think that's the important part here is we're not, we don't ever want to cater or, or pamper uh, players, especially in the NFL uh, locker room. I think we want to make sure that they feel like Hey, we're engaged. We have a, a vested interest in achieving the same goal and everyone's in on it. And uh, I think that's a powerful bond between player and coach, because we know physically what the players put on the line is, is the utmost. Uh, uh, they, they're, they're putting their bodies out there. They're physically training themselves. It's a, it's a stressful job, but it's a satisfying job. Everyone who's coming to this thing wants to do it. They're eager to do it. And we honor and respect that just like the player honors and respects the coaches commitment to helping them to achieving what we collectively set as the team goal. I think that's a powerful thing. And I, I, I think we do that well in green Bay and we want to do it better. And I'm fortunate to be a part of an organization like that. Before we got going, you were talking about, you know, your approach to this and how you don't view this as just, you're, you're building the athletic ability or, or you're, you know, making this guy just stronger that you look at this and approach it, that it is training the whole person, which I think is important. What, whatever level you're at, I think this certainly applies to the high school strength and conditioning coach or the, the coaches who run that in the off season that, that also, you know, we mentioned culture here just a second ago, but it also builds into the culture of what you're doing when you take an approach that, you are training the whole person. Yeah. I, you know what? Here's a good story. When I first started out kind of 
in the private sector, you know, you work with sports athletes, you work with business and men and women. Uh, you have the opportunity every now and then to work with uh, first responders, law enforcement. And um, I had a great experience. And this is what kind of fortified it for me. What you're talking about is training the whole person and helping out this uh, police academy, as well as this law department. Uh, had a good friend there. We exchanged some ideas. It's like, hey, come in, see what you can offer here gave some presentations, started working with the, uh, the various departments, their jump team, their SWAT, even their beat cops, their bike unit. So some of the more physically demanding, but also just some of the, this is just general police work. And like with anything, you do a, you know, a, a, a skill or a task analysis for each of these departments. And I think the thing that kind of jumped off the page at us you know, and then you write this down, you're like, think about what you would do for football. Oh, you got to be able to run. You got to be able to shuffle. You've got to be able to change. You know, we're looking at all this for law enforcement. And again, this is, this is an honor to them. They, they have to sit a ton and focus and do this sometimes in the, the dead of night, still be awake. And then if they have to respond, they have to get up and run. It was neat to see like, God, we, we've got to get better at sitting and, and getting up and going. So you know, I started thinking about that too, as we went to football, especially higher level football, where, well, how long are meetings? Meetings are three hours. Can we get, you know, can we get coaches to break up these meetings? Can we give them a, a, the guys a break every hour to stand up, you know, giving little advice like that, but also realizing that the players have a heck of a demand on their body just to keep the focus and the attentiveness that they need in meetings. So this is part of the job as well. It's not just the two hours on the field where they have to run and compete and, and then play the game of football. You know, there's a life demand there. So I think if we're not training the whole person, and it doesn't mean you necessarily have to specialize everything, but you've got to create a robust, resilient health and fitness base. And it just doesn't mean being able to go for four or eight seconds and rest for 30 or 40 seconds. Like, practice and the game gets you in shape for that we've got to build up some of the other ways in which the body uses energy the way the body becomes efficient uh, obviously there's a lot of tools within our trade but i think when we look at the athletic development process if we're not considering all of the demands on the athlete life demands uh, scholastic demands and you know that could be the studying for the professional player but our students in, in class for eight hours boom they're coming right down to the field what are things we can do to get their bodies and minds right so that hour, hour and a half that we have as a football team or whatever, uh, even just in a strength conditioning capacity, how could that be more effective? Because now we're seeing the, the, the athlete as the whole person that they should be. We're creating probably a little bit better program for them. Yeah, I think that's an interesting aspect of it and looking at how do you handle some of those transitions, that student who's been in school for eight hours or that player who's been in a meeting for four hours what what are some tips in that regard, you know, within what you do to be able to help these guys make that transition to be able to get them, you know, locked in physically and mentally, Phil? Well, there's a few things that I, I kind of just mentioned them. Like sometimes it's just mentioning to a coach. And I think a lot of coaches are hip to this now, getting guys a break every now and then. And, and again, this teaches the guys to disengage and then having to re-engage uh, sometimes with that re-engagement getting something where hands are on a, some competitive element whether that be you know a lot of teams will have a, a free throw basket even if it is a nerf basket uh, to just get the guys to re-engage physically 
the body and the mind will follow and vice versa too. So I think finding ways to keep things engaging, because again, the game of football, you, you learn it most and best by playing the game. Well, we've got all these other various layers to that. And some of them are sitting in meetings and, and watching film. How can that be the most um, engaging that it can be? Well, sometimes it's those short snippets of that. Sometimes it's blanketed with some stuff that's about getting up and, and moving. I know the, the value of a walkthrough, and I think more and more teams are utilizing that. So I'm not telling anyone anything they don't know already. But I think that's you know responsibility of the strength conditioning coach to embrace all of that stuff uh, and, and have ideas that here's how things can flow. Because I would say the putting together a schedule for each and every day to create rhythm for the team may be more important than the programming in and of itself. And I know it, it, in most teams, it's a, it's a full job of coordinators, the head coach, obviously, and a, and a lot of people with a lot of experience in that to make an effective schedule for the team to follow. It shouldn't be something just glanced over and, well, we did this so many years ago, or I've always done it this way. I've never really looked at the schedule. It's probably worth sitting down and assessing some things to that nature to see how effective that day could be, even if it is just a two or three hour day for the high school athlete. Now the coaches are bracketing and, and working well beyond that, but um, it might then give them a chance to take a deep breath and seeing how efficient they are in the time they're spending with all their other duties along with what they're doing with the players. Going into your second year with Coach LaFleur now, how much is he relying on you to be able to give some input into that process of what that overall schedule looks like? I think we're, we're in a great spot in how we work together. Um, just speaking personally between Matt and I, but I think, too, this is uh, from a whole team standpoint, uh, the demand for communication and the – ability to feel like you your your voice is is heard we want to hear what you have to say I think this has been a, a, a good move by coach and he welcomes that from everyone now I think having the situational awareness knowing when that's appropriate and when that's executed um, you know Matt's created a great environment and great timing for things like that uh, but I think we value each other and our roles and I think that's just the idea that every team could have. And in a way, that's what we mirror in our department. Can we close the door? Can we chop things up? Can we look at it in a different way? We have to have different viewpoints on it. And then I think what's true to form, this is as important as that deliberating and arguing about it, having some healthy conflict. But then the door opens and it's one message. Everyone's committed to it. And I, that, that's, it takes being a pro. And I think uh, – we all have moments where like, God, I really feel strongly about this, but I tell you what, the best thing for the team is like, Hey, we have got to go with this message. We've got to go because this is what the head coach says and we're marching with it. And I think that's what we felt so much confidence in is when that door opens, boom, our guns are blazing and the players know it. We believe in what's said and, and we want it to work because I think if we're all pulling in the same way, it doesn't have to be perfect. But we, we have to do it together. we got a chance. Kind of playing off that whole idea of training the whole person. Like this is also something that is lifelong. Whether you're somebody who finishes up playing in high school or you go on to college or you're somebody who goes on and plays some time in the NFL, the 
the fitness side of it, the exercise side and side of it. I know you feel strongly about that too, that this isn't just training these guys for the short period they're here, but it's, it's giving them some tools that they can take with them throughout life. Talk to us a little bit about that aspect of it and your philosophy on that. Well, when, when players have a chance to give input and, and, and engage and, and, and we communicate with them in that regard, um, I don't necessarily think like you're educating, but you want guys to feel comfortable feeling it and being in their own skin with it. There's a confidence that comes with that. Whether they want to go deeper and, and learn more, there are some guys that go that route. They, they get very cerebral with it, and that could be a good thing. Um, it's also very good, and it's important that they can disconnect and just be an athlete and have fun and, and let it go. Um, you know, the last thing you want to think is you're overanalyzing your running mechanics or, you know, different than a, we've all seen it. Someone, uh, you know, we use the, the golfer for an example. You keep uh, fiddling with your technique. You're just not swinging and, and letting it rip. So, you know, I think that can happen too, um, you know, players overanalyzing. I think wanting to give them and create like, look, unplug from this, feel what it's like in your own skin. And then if, if they're doing it and they're able to find ways that it works for them, they're able to modify things on their own. So not every guy might like to back squat, um, but there's going to be a, an exercise they can do that's going to tax their body. And then that, the legs, their core, uh, their various systems of their body, just like that exercise can do. So they feel they're still engaged with the team. They're still giving effort. They're sweating in the space. And now that athlete, there's that buy-in that comes with that. Look, there's a way I can do this. Even if I'm injured, like, I think there's no bigger tribute to a guy that, you know, after a game and the shoulder's sore, he, he, he comes right in and he gets to work. Or, you know, you get a, a finger that just isn't working the way you need it to to grab a bar. There's a modification for that. And I think once guys see, like, it doesn't matter, I'm training today. I'm, I'm, I'm moving. I'm, I'm getting back in it. I'm in the fight. That's a healthy place to be in this sport. I think that's a healthy existence to just be as a person. I've got to keep moving forward. We're going to modify things with safety is the utmost concern, but the mindset of the player is I'm here to make gains. I'm here to push. I'm still a part of this thing, you know, however they might be modified. I think the highest honor is when you start seeing guys do that and they start sharing it with their teammates, how they can maybe modify or they can keep going or that again, this is the culture thing. Shoot, they even might take it home and they start, they sh they'll share a story with you how they're doing some things with their kids who are coming in and, and playing sport. Now that's, that's another link in that chain we we're talking about. That's an important part of this game that now they've taken it and they brought it to the people they care the absolute most about their family. And I think that's where health and fitness now becomes a part of their life. They brought it home with them and it's the standard they want in their household. Chris, when you look at all the things you do as a coach, all the things you, you know, you've learned along the way, and now you're able to, in, in your position, really be a leader in that. What's the one thing you do really that you feel gives your guys, gives the, the people you work with the winning edge? I tell you what, I, I think I, I just said it back there. We always want to have the mindset that we're on the tack and, and we're making gains now we'll be there'll be a strategy to it you know we're not just throwing haymakers all the time going bombs away and whether that be lifting heavy or heavy conditioning but 
guys understand there's a reason for a jab in boxing. It's to set up your straight, your left hook. There's a, there's a reason for this. So seeing that big picture being tied in and understanding what the big picture is, like it is always about what's again, making gains, whether that's happening on the field, your life, your health, your resiliency. Cause again, I think like everyone in in the Northeast and in, in East and where flu season comes in the, in the fall, like a resilient body has a better immune system to fight that off. I don't know what exactly lies ahead for this fall, but we'll continue on training the players in the same regard. Like we want healthy, robust people who can obviously live their lives to the fullest, enjoy their families, come to work, being able to dial in and focus, practice football. And then when they go home, they still got juice in the tank because, again, they're they're a healthy person amidst doing a very tough sport. But, you know, there's a lot of tough occupations out there. I think as we look to use fitness, it's not, again, just about strength conditioning as a football player. It's we need healthy people across the board in, in every endeavor. We want, we want to be healthy in life first and foremost. Football will, will then come after that. It's been fun to watch you grow in this game. It's, I know you got a lot of fans in Northeast Ohio now who are excited about the position you have with the Green Bay Packers, so it's going to be fun to you know, watch your part of that as well. And I really appreciate you taking time and joining me here on the podcast. Keith, thanks so much. Thanks for all you guys are doing at, at USA Football. It is making a difference. I know everyone in the NFL is, is supporting that mission, as well as we love chances to be able to converse about it. Like we could talk football all day long and, and maybe share an Al Gizzy story or two, but uh, <laughs> on another call, I, I'd love to come on back on any time and, and, and talk just about anything, man. I, this is a blast. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we'll take you up on that, Chris, and uh, good luck here to, to you and the Green Bay Packers in 2020. Thank you, sir. We hope you enjoyed that one from our archives. Be sure to keep tuning in to Coaching Coordinator throughout this offseason as we get into our series and some of our deep dives into defense and our OC office hour. A lot coming to you here in 2024. Follow us on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.